Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the panel discussion on cyber fiqh. My name is Zain al Hussein, and I'm delighted to be joined today by two eminent personalities. Uh, Dr. Amina Inlos is the author of Women and Shiism, Ancient Stories, Modern Ideologies, and a co-translator of Spiritual Mysteries and Ethical Secrets by Fayyid Kashani. She is also a contributor to the Tafsir al-Mizan translation project. She completed her PhD at the University of Exeter on the subject of Shi'i Hadith. She teaches via distance education for the Islamic College in London, where I was honored to be her student. Along with her academic work, she travels and lectures worldwide, as well as engages in interfaith work. Assalamu alaikum, Dr. Amina. Wa alaikum assalam. We're also deeply honored today to have with us Sayyid Mustafa Madarasi. Sayyid Mustafa studied under senior jurists in the Shia world under Grand Ayatollah Wahid Khurathani and Grand Ayatollah Tabrizi. Sayyid Mustafa also has a master's degree in theology, specializing in comparative religions and Abrahamic faiths. Sayyid Mustafa has lectured globally, serving the cause of the Ahlul Bayt and promoting their pristine message for over two decades. He is currently teaching at John DeMarta Academic Seminary. Assalamu alaikum, Sayyid Mustafa. Great to see both of you. Uh, given we've got just 20 minutes, I'd love to jump straight into the questions if you don't mind. Dr. Amina, maybe we can start with you. Um, what do you think are some of the uh, jurisprudential issues uh, emerging from the development of cryptocurrencies, NFTs, and other wonderful wizardry of the metaverse? Well, first of all, these are very rapidly evolving and changing issues. Uh, I think if we'd been having this discussion maybe two or three years ago, we would have been using Bitcoin as a synonym for cryptocurrency, for example. And now we have to acknowledge there are different cryptocurrencies with different situations. And of course, the uh, NFT uh, trend has really taken off. Uh, the metaverse is certainly expanding in the popular mind and so forth. Um, so it is a rapidly evolving situation. Uh, and in the past century, and indeed in the past century, we have seen that many ulama do take a cautious approach to dealing with new technologies, uh, new things, uh, such as my beloved coffee was a new thing at one time. Uh, telephones were new, photographs were new, credit cards, and likewise cryptocurrencies. Uh, so we don't have a jurisprudential consensus on how to treat cryptocurrencies uh, in the framework of Islamic law. Uh, many people are aware of some of the underlying issues, uh, but one can divide the considerations that might come up either jurisprudentially or ethically slash spiritually into two categories at the primary structural issues and some of the secondary situational or sociopolitical uh, considerations. I think in my view the primary considerations will be resolved that is to say is cryptocurrency a thing is an NFT a thing that you can buy and sell does it have a value does it have a an exchangeable value etc. Uh, and part of the reason why I think this will be resolved uh, is that uh, it is a technology that I think in and of itself the technology will persist even though I think some of these uh, fads and volatility and so forth will die down. And also it's been shown psychologically that the brain treats a virtual object like an object. So if I spend time playing a computer game, uh, of course I don't, and get a coin, in, in that game that coin is real to me even if it has no value. Uh, so, of course, when we get to things that have a value in the real world, the brain will treat them as things. I do think it's important, however, to bring into the discussion 
at the secondary issues uh, and the pros and cons uh, of cryptocurrencies and other developments in the virtual world um, in the framework of Islamic ethics. And some of these do guide some of the fatwas as well. Uh, there are, in my view, ethical issues for and against them. And they're going to vary a lot situationally from person to person, place to place. In an ideal scenario, um, the cryptocurrency movement could, for example, result in a more equitable distribution of wealth, uh, a greater access of wealth uh, to the common man or woman. Um, it could perhaps um, end the trend of certain states attempting to punish other states by cutting off their ac economic access to the global market. Uh, so there is the potential for greater equity, which I believe is an Islamic value. At the same time, there is a digital divide in the world. Uh, not everyone has access to these things. There's more access than there would have been in the past. Uh, but for example, if you look at what happened in El Salvador when they attempted to institutionalize Bitcoin, some people didn't have internet access at all. And there are other considerations as well. Um, to me, one of the main ones is the environmental question. Uh, sometimes when we see the internet, we just see the, the glitter in front of us and we forget the internet is like a monster. Uh, it eats, with apologies, it excretes, and it does. And if we're not in a situation where we're seeing the eating and the waste products of the internet, then we may not necessarily be appreciating the impact. Same thing for anything else like YouTube or Amazon. Uh, so this should be handled. There are people who are handling it. There are people who are not handling it. So like I said, it's situational, but there is rising awareness in this day and age of the Islamic ethics pertaining to the environment. Uh, so these are some of the considerations um, that can go behind considering where to situate these things in an Islamic jurisprudential and ethical framework. Of course, there are many more. Thank you, Dr. Amina, that's excellent. Actually, it's a great segue into my next question, Sayed Mustafa. Um, you know, usually the big discussion amongst the Shi'i lay people, for want of a better word, is that um, we don't understand how jurists derive rulings from texts that are more than a thousand years old. So when it comes to what Dr. Amina was saying about cyberspace, uh, can you possibly give us an example of how a jurist might uh, practically derive a ruling um, today? <clears throat> Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa salatu wa salam ala khayri khalqihi ajma'ina Muhammad wa ala ahli baytihi al-tayyibin al-tahirin First of all, uh, allow me to seize this opportunity to, uh, to thank the organizers of, of this uh, conference uh, and I ask uh, the Almighty to grant uh, all the brothers and sisters involved uh, infinite success uh, and secondly Allow me to, because the conference is called the Imam Ali Conference, to draw the connection between Imam Ali and our discussion. Uh, Imam Ali uh, is a central figure in our religion. And uh, uh, his ideals and his principles uh, and his character and what he represents is, uh, is the of our faith. And our fiqh is Imam Sadiq who has narrated uh, more than 35,000 uh, narration. He has enriched the Shia heritage. Um, he says, he always makes a reference to Kitabu Ali or Mus'hafu Ali. Uh, the Imam was once asked about Mus'hafu Ali. He said, Mus'hafu Ali uh, is a, a transcript 
uh, Imam Ali used to write down what the Prophet used to give him. Uh, and then he said that this is, this is a very huge encyclopedia. And then the Imam said that all the halal and haram uh, is incorporated in this book. So all our fiqh is uh, in essence derived from Imam Ali uh, salam. So there is a strong connection between uh, our fiqh and uh, everything that we discuss in fiqh uh, and Imam Ali salam. As for our discussion, uh, no doubt we are uh, witnessing the rise of a new civilization. Uh, it's, it's unlike anything that the world has ever seen before. And the world uh, is moving uh, at a rapid, rapid pace and people's life is, is just um, changing. Accordingly, and people are spending more time in cyber cyberspace than in the real world. And uh, this new environment uh, has uh, different characteristics than the physical world. It's pretty unique. And if we fail to keep pace of the macro evolution that is taking place, uh, we will fall behind, and our influence will uh, diminish. And consequently, our culture, uh, our moral system. Our identity will be obsolete. Uh, and the reality on the ground is, is changing dramatically. And we strongly believe that the Prophet left us with a robust system to guarantee our survival uh, in life's shifting um, patterns. And I think one of our uh, points of strength is that uh, our religion doesn't change uh, in accordance with what people desire. Uh, and Ahlul Bayt uh, and their teachings and their uh, edicts and their instructions uh, they're timeless because they emanate from the Quran uh, therefore we can't put an expiry date on, uh, on their teachings what the Ahlul Bayt have done is lay the foundations uh, they said that we give you the, the guidelines Yes, the world is changing, but our fiqh is equipped with the right tools to handle these changes. Uh, it has been designed to adapt to any environment. Uh, why? Because again, the, their words is intertwined with the Quran, and the Quran is like the sun and the moon, as the hadith says, يجري مجر الشمس والقمر. They never become obsolete, they always shine on a, on a new day. And our fiqh uh, stems from our ideals and principles and these principles can never become outdated no matter what and in fact our need for these ideals and principles is, is only uh, growing so from a uh, fiqhi perspective uh, uh, of course we are dealing with an array of issues in cyber uh, cyber space uh, primarily e-commerce social media and all of its implications cyber crimes and everything encapsulated by web3 which includes the metaverse uh, so essentially, uh, what applies legally in the physical world applies in cyberspace. But it's not as simple as one might think. It's tricky because we're dealing with a new phenomenon here. Uh, and, the sh and the subjects are shape-shifting. Uh, for example, uh, back in the day, uh, gold and silver was the predominant currency. Uh, and uh, uh, in, in uh, contemporary history, uh, Fiat money backed by gold became the predominant currency. Uh, and then fiat money not backed by gold uh, uh, became the, the, the currency, uh, uh, earning an intrinsic value. And now we're dealing with cryptocurrency. Uh, what might 
uh, be frowned upon uh, in the real life might be overlooked in the metaverse. For example, ownerships. In the real world, uh, you own uh, something tangible uh, as opposed to the, um, to the digital world. Uh, we're dealing with non-fungible uh, commodities. So it's a bit tricky here. Uh, and this is why uh, fiqh uh, is, is dealing with a new phenomenon. Uh, so in fiqh, uh, even though we believe that uh, everything is, we, we always say this, that everything is considered halal unless proven otherwise, in some areas, jurists are being uh, very cautious, as Dr. Amina said. Uh, why? Because of the severity of the consequences. And uh, in general, everything needs to be you know, thoroughly investigated. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, we can't discuss all the topics here related to the internet. Uh, which is why uh, we want to look at what perhaps has the most wide-ranging impact, because you asked me to cite an example, um, and it's a, it's a hot topic at this stage, fintech. So in the financial sector, we need to draw the par parameters by identifying what we're dealing with. Jurists uh, definitely you know, seek advice from experts and professionals, because understanding the subject is key to the uh, process of extracting the ruling. Uh, let me just give you one small example. Uh, so, so, sorry, if you don't mind me interrupting, just so you know, we've got six minutes left. Just go ahead. Oh, for the entire program. That's right. Time flies okay. when you're having fun. Okay, so let me skip this uh, this example. But uh, see, in, in general, for example, uh, usury is forbidden, right? Uh, but how and, and which transaction uh, in fintech involves a usury? Uh, sometimes the, the titles are altered. For example, uh, usury uh, is, is called holding costs, or holding costs will include usury. Uh, or for example, uh, you know, in fiqh we have a concept called gharar, or obscurity. Obscurity in any transaction uh, renders the transaction uh, unlawful. Uh, or for example, uh, you know, exchanging uh, goods that are haram, uh, for example, investing in cannabis stocks. Uh, there is no doubt that this is you know, problem, problematic uh, because the value of a stock is heavily influenced by the proceeds. Uh, dividends are even clear. So, uh, for example, if I'm investing in Amazon and they sell haram products like alcohol or other stuff, uh, but if, th these are some of the things that we're dealing with. Uh, if, for example, this is not the main product sold by Amazon, uh, and the proceeds that come is minimal, then the, the jurists say that it's negligible. So it's okay to invest in, for example, Amazon. But if the company is uh, LVMH, for example, where alcohol makes up a huge chunk of their revenue, you know, it becomes problematic. Now, when it comes to CFDs, contract for difference, or option tradings, uh, because it's a, it's a parallel transaction, you're not exchanging anything haram, uh, you're not dealing with actual stocks of the company. Uh, so in here, it's different. But the question is, is it recognized by fiqh when you're not exchanging anything? And it's parallel to what's happening in the market because it's intangible. Uh, also, for example, leverage trading, margin trading. Uh, we know, for example, interest is part of it. Uh, also, it's high risk. And these directly impact the these things directly impact the jurisprudential outcome uh, of the ruling. These transa transactions are not 
uh, we know that these transa transactions are not new, uh, but with fintech, they've become uh, much more accessible. Um, and um, when we, for example, take a look at the rulings of Ayatollah Sayyid Sistani when it comes to these things, he's, we find that he's very strict when it comes to st stock trading. He says that don't embark on anything that you have no knowledge of. Uh, there are so many conditions. I think he stipulates seven conditions before it becomes halal. Uh, and the verse in the Quran is very clear. Unless you understand what you're uh, uh, embarking on, uh, you're not allowed to, to deal with these things. Um, and uh, yeah, so three minutes left. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. That's right. Please, Please go ahead. Maybe you can wrap up just this this comment, and then I can put a last question to Dr. Amina. Yeah. So 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 in the real world, we might be dealing with uh, with these things, but because it has become much more accessible, uh, people are asking so many questions. Uh, we are dealing with uh, with new things, with new challenges that we need to tackle. Uh, so the the real challenge for a jurist is to um, uh, apply the principles of fiqh uh, on uh, these new challenges. And uh, we've seen scholars that live in Najaf that have you know, limited access to the outside world. They've written uh, uh, books in economy, for example, Sheikh Al-Fayyad. Sheikh Al-Fayyad is a, is a jurist and he deals with uh, the traditions and the, uh, and the narrations and, and uh, with, with, uh, solely with fiqh, right? But he's written a book in economy because he you know, seeks the advice of uh, of uh, intellectuals and experts in this field. And one of the things that I wanted to say is people who have delved into these fields, uh, we uh, want these people to come and, and learn about uh, fiqh more so that they can use their expertise in these fields to understand what religion uh, is talking about. We have fuqaha that have tried to understand uh, the economy, fintech, but we need people from uh, uh, from uh, you know fintech experts in this field to also understand what religion is to try to reconcile between the two. Thank you, Sayyid. Now, Dr. Amina, of course, give time. I'm so sorry, but I'll give you the last comment, uh, a minute or two, if you don't mind, and I'll let you wrap up as well. And I apologize to you, Dr. Not Amina. at all, Sayyid. Go ahead, Dr. Amina. Uh, sure. What is the question? I just give you the last two minutes to wrap up. I mean, perhaps we oh, could talk sure. about the spiritual dimensions because you talked about the jurisprudential dimensions, but we can't really detach the two, can we? So one, how do you see cyberspace influence on that? Go ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, one overarching question that this brings up is what is real and what is reality? Uh, if we understand that Allah is the ultimate reality and the material world is a lower level of reality, uh, then where does this fit in? Uh, certainly, Islamic thought admits to immaterial realities, angels and so forth, or, or the barzakh, which we consider to be extremely real. Uh, many Islamic philosophers would also consider to be the reality of the mental world or social consensus to be a form of reality, like a dollar bill. It has no intrinsic value, but it has an agreed reality and profound effect on the world. So one of the questions here is the metaverse, uh, our NFTs, are, are they real in the same way? I'm going to let people think about that, but I'd like to share some words from Sayyid Musa Sadr, which I think are relevant here. Uh, he says that there is no doubt that labor, like nature, creates value. However, value does not lie within these two factors, but outside them. Value expresses the light of our desire 
and our hope that is placed on things. Value glitters, grows as long as the lights are shining on it, and then returns to the shadows. So this is the question, uh, the answer to which will be uncovered through time. Uh, we don't have an answer now. Uh, is this an entrenched reality and aspect uh, of our material world, uh, or is it something that will end up being a bit delusional? Uh, and these are two opposites. Uh, the Quran speaks of the false realities as being associated with shaitan and a tool of shaitan, uh, and anything associated with that, whereas the other immaterial realities would be associated with Allah. So where are we? Where are we going? We will find out. Thank you very much. All that remains to be said is thank you again, Dr. Amina Inlos. Thank you, Dr. Mustafa, Said Mustafa Madaresi. I'm really sorry we've run out of time. Thank you again to the organizers of this fantastic conference and the audience. Uh, be well. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you. Wa alaikum